intention interior trucking companies if you are relying on facility insurance you could be overpaying reduce your insurance cost by 10000 or more per truck and good news we accept drivers with only 1 years of experience to learn more just send us text by typing insurance to 3653640714 thank you well, Chris, I'd like to uh, kind of talk about cargo theft and uh, the cargo crime problem in Canada and maybe some uh, secure logistics and some ideas for uh, cargo loss prevention and supply chain security. That was Mr. Todd Moore from ISB, and he's my guest this week on the Dog On It Trucking Podcast. Welcome to the Dog On It Trucking Podcast. When it comes to trucking safety, the dog is on it. What do we do on this show? I get to talk to some of the most influential trucking executives in our industry so that we can pick up new tips and tricks to use in our everyday businesses. So with that, let's get on with the show. Hey, Todd, welcome to the Dog On It Trucking Podcast. How in the heck are you? Good, Chris. Uh, thanks very much for having me. Hey, much appreciated. It's my pleasure. Todd, can you tell us what makes you an expert in cargo and loss prevention? In other words, what's your background? Well, currently, Chris, I'm, uh, I'm the vice president with uh, ISB Global Services, which is a uh, company out of Milton. And uh, there I, I run the, uh, I oversee the cargo theft and specialty risk division. And um, that division is, is kind of focused on uh, cargo theft mitigation. Uh, prior to joining ISB Global Services about 20 months ago, I, uh, I was with the Peel Regional Police. I was a detective there for 31 years and, uh, and retired back in uh, 2018. And uh, during my 31 years uh, with Peel, I was, uh, I was involved in a number of different units, uh, robbery unit, but uh, the majority of my um, last 12 years of my career was spent uh, in the intelligence unit where I, uh, I was the detective in charge of the organized crime unit. It was funny, uh, although we did organized crime, every single or almost every uh, major investigation had a, had a tangent to uh, cargo theft. And I became very intrigued in the whole cargo theft and uh, cargo theft kind of seed money uh, that helps fund other criminal activities. Um, another thing too, Chris, prior to, while I was on the police department, I, uh, for a number of years, 15, 16 years, I had my own robbery training business. And uh, one of the things I got asked back in 2009, 2010, was to put together a, uh, a robbery uh, truck hijacking course. Uh, that was back when proper oh. cigarettes and computers were being, there's a number of different uh, violent truck hijacking courses or uh, robbery incidents. So. I uh, put together a truck hijacking course, and I think after that, I kind of got hooked on the whole uh, uh, cargo transport idea. Well, that's kind of cool. So your years as a uh, police officer, and then you were working in intelligence, and um, so you were exposed to some of the... um, Sorry, I think of it as being a, a cop. Uh, you know, if you're a street cop, you're just kind of exposed to everybody in the general public and things aren't too bad. But in, in intelligence, I would imagine you're exposed to some of the worst of um, humanity. Well, yeah, intelligence is a, uh, a pretty unique unit. Uh, a lot of covert uh, investigation. So basically what we, in a nutshell, Chris, is what we would do is we would work with confidential informants. And- 
and police agents, and we would uh, infiltrate certain organized crime groups and uh, try to dismantle and disrupt them. So, um, and like I said, it's, uh, it's uh, most organized crime groups are in some way or fashion involved in cargo crime. So, it's a uh, it's a very very interesting uh, job, but it was it was a real eye opener to kind of peel back the onion and, and see what a, a real problem it is. And I know with my years at Old Republic um, Insurance Company, of course, that's I think that's where we first met was at a symposium or something when I was still there. How long have you been at ISB now? Uh, just under two years. Two. Okay, so, so I met you before, long before two years ago. Yes, yes. So I think prior, prior to coming over, um, a number of different um yeah we have met at different uh different trucking events and security yeah. events and uh yeah because obviously cargo theft is a um when i was with old republic and and now that i'm you know on my own cargo theft is still a big deal and well where's the the cargo theft capital of canada well that's that's uh that's a great question that's uh unfortunately it's uh the greater Toronto area, more specifically Peel region. And uh, that's kind of the, uh, the department that I spent well, my entire career with. But um, it's kind of funny, if you, if you look at cargo theft, Chris, and I'm, I'm pretty passionate about that, cargo theft and, and robbery. And but if you look at cargo theft on a, on a global scale, it's, it's, it's a worldwide problem. You, you look at the numbers in Europe and different methods of operation, but uh, huge problem in Europe, huge problem in South Africa. Highest rates are in Brazil and South America. Mexico isn't so much, I like to call it cargo crime. In Mexico, it's not so much cargo theft, it's more truck hijacking. And then you look into uh, US and Canada, there's basically eight different hotspots. Uh, those kind of eight hotspots have been kind of prevalent for the last decade. And it's, it's Los Angeles, it's Dallas, it's Miami, Atlanta, New Jersey, Chicago, and then Toronto. Um, Ironically, if you look at some of the statistics, and I think you'll find this pretty interesting, two years ago, Canada actually had more cargo thefts. They had 621 cargo thefts in 2018. And by comparison, in the US, they had 591. And if you broke those numbers down, uh, 341 of those cargo thefts took place in the region of Peel. And that's just... uh, like that's just absolutely mind-boggling and even to peel the onion back a little further if you look at the population of peel it's 1.3 million uh, the next highest area in north america for cargo theft was california and they had 208 incidents so you look at the population of california they have 40 million people so 40 million people compared to 1.3 million and it, it, it's a massive massive problem in the uh, greater toronto area and it's, it's something, it's, it's one of those crimes that's been flying under the radar for a number of years. And, and I'll be honest with you, I just think no one's really taken ownership uh, to kind of fix the problem. Either the police are doing the best they can, but I, the problem's fixable. I just, I think somebody's got to pick up the ball and run. Well, it, it certainly is fixable. Nobody's paying attention to it. I would agree with that statement. And of course, you know, we're doing this interview and Politically, right now, there's an awful lot of calls for defunding of the police. Um, you know, and I don't want to go down a political thing, but right now, if nobody's paying attention to cargo crime, 
and you alluded to it, but I want you to expand on it. Um, you said that when you're in intelligence, that uh, cargo crime helps feed other stuff. So why should we, the public, care about cargo crime? Nobody gets hurt when a, a tractor trailer is stolen with a load of diapers on it. Uh, and, it and, and that is the public perception, Chris. Uh, I think the public perception is they don't understand the scope of the problem, number one. Um, I, I think the public doesn't understand the ripple effect of what the problem is because eventually we all pay for those cargo thefts and, and the losses. And and, sec and thirdly, I, I think the public just doesn't understand the, the uh, criminal element that's involved. So yes, it is organized crime. So if I steal a load and I make $130,000 off a stolen load of diapers or detergent, uh, I turn around, I take that $130,000 and now I invest that in importing you keys know, of cocaine and that commodity now has a has a value 10 times more than what the cargo theft was so it's, it's a money-making machine if, uh, organized crime groups can three four maybe five times um, their money um, based on what the stolen commodity was and i'll be honest with you when you look at the numbers they're, they're mind-boggling but it's it's a crime that's not going to go away because, to your point, it, it is a property crime. Um, people think of it as more of an insurance problem, but it's uh, it's high it's it's low risk, high reward. It's, that's the, the term you always hear about cargo theft. And I'll be honest with you, unless you have a, a horrendous criminal record, because it's a property offense, you're probably not going to go to jail time. So it's kind of a win win for that. Yeah, and I mean, again, when I look at old old Republic when I worked there, nobody got punished when they, if they got caught for stealing a load. You know, as you said, yeah. risk reward. There's a lot of reward, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and, and and I think too that too, Chris is, you know, with our with our laws too, with possession of stolen property, there's certain elements that the police have to prove. I have to prove that you had control of that property. I have to prove that you had knowledge that it was stolen. So there's a lot of factors, you know, willful blindness plays into it. Um, just to go back to your point about defunding the police, and, and it's funny because right now, you know, if you, if you look in the U.S. and how the U.S. numbers have actually decreased the last four or five years, um, pilferging has gone up, right? Cargo thefts have decreased, and I think they've done a really, really good job. Those eight hotspots that I talked about earlier, the seven hotspots in the U.S., um, over half of those have their own cargo theft task force. So they're local, state, and federal police agencies all working together in conjunction, in conjunction with the National Insurance Crime Bureau that's kind of helping fund some of these projects. And what they're doing is they're disrupting, dismantling these groups. They're, um, they're working them. They know which theft groups are active and crossing certain states. And they've done a really good job tackling the problem. Uh, if you look in Canada, there's only two police agencies in Canada that actually have dedicated cargo theft units, and that would be Peel Region and, and York Region, uh, York Regional Police. Um, great officers, but once again, because it's a pro property crime, you know they just don't have the budgets to run the sophisticated investigations. And I've always laughed. I said it's the public deems it a public, or a, sorry, a property offense, but it's, it's more of an organized crime problem. And I think if you want to eradicate cargo theft, uh, what I think the solution is from a policing perspective is you have kind of a joint force task force in the greater Toronto area. Um, 
whether that's funded with the assistance of the insurance companies. And what they do is they tackle certain groups because there's not there's not that many groups in the greater Toronto area, but the groups that are involved are very active. And uh, the greater Toronto area is, is, is very unique. And I think our numbers are unique because we have a very unique landscape of criminal organized crime groups. So you know, we have your traditional organized crime groups, your Italian mafia, we have um, South Asian organized crime, we have Asian organized crime, Eastern European organized crime. And a lot of those groups are actively involved in cargo theft. So it's a, it's a, it's a, I think it's a very, geographically, it's very unique. Well, I think that's kind of cool in, in that even in our crime areas, we welcome everybody. We have them all. <laughs> yes, we do. And it's, it's funny. How Canadian. <laughs> and, and when you kind of look at it, and like I say, we go back, I, I mentioned you coming from the insurance industry. People say, well, you know, some, it's, it's, it's an insurance problem. And I think a lot of people honestly believe that. They go, guess what? Somebody stole some diapers. Somebody stole a, you know, a truckload of tires. Who cares? It's insured. Um, which kind of leaves, right now, it's kind of up to the police to tackle the problem. And if you look at from a police perspective, especially with everything that's going on now, globally um you know the, the police are our business as well they got a fixed budget they they have resource issues that they're trying to do more with less uh, they have investigative priorities so if i'm everybody every unit you know whether i'm in cyber crime or robbery or break and enters everybody every unit thinks their investigations are the most important so it, it's very hard from a police perspective to get that attention on yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the police budgets um, back, I mean, this is many years ago, probably 10 years ago, I was um, around the claims department. We had a couple of loads of diapers stolen. It was two loads. That was 10 years ago. That was $250,000 um, in cargo theft. And the carrier had really good cameras it was done at night and it was funny i saw the video of because the owner of the company invited me in and and he had turned it over to the claims department of course for the insurance company um but it was funny they knew where the cameras were and the one fellow's bandana fell off his face and as it fell off he looked at the camera and, and pulled up the bandana and the police when they got that video said no problem at all um this should be pretty easy one to crack and weeks went by and weeks went by and the owner kept calling the the police department and this was in peel and the person who was in charge of identifying that person from the the video kept saying i'm sorry i'm being pulled off because we had a more severe crime a, a shooting or something and they kept getting pulled off of this as you call it property uh, damage or property claim uh, where nobody got hurt to much more serious uh, situations which I believe is the right thing to do because as much as people are saying un you know defund the police I think they're underfunded or at the very least they don't put the funds where they're needed something like this where we can catch a criminal um, and they're likely as you've said involved in other stuff already why aren't we putting the resources into catching that criminal and taking them off the street? You know, I, I know that's not really a question for you, but it's just, it used to piss me off. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and and it, it's funny you say that, Chris, because uh, even now that, you know, the two units in Canada that have dedicated cargo theft units are, 
great investigators. It's old school policing, working informants, doing static surveillance. But because of the organized crime element, if you truly wanted to dismantle that, it, it takes money, and unfortunately, it takes money to catch bad guys. Right? You have to, yeah. you know, you you have to do wiretaps, and you know, it's you know, people don't talk on the phones now. There's there's uh, encrypted apps that you can talk back. So you have to be very very creative. Um, it, it it does. It just costs money to to eliminate crime, and uh, I, I think as this problem, as the numbers continue to go up, and you've seen since 2015, cargo theft rates triple. I, I don't see the numbers dropping significantly, not going up every year, because it's just it's just way too profitable. It's way too profitable, and right now we're not willing to spend the money uh, as taxpayers uh, because we don't see it. Generally, we don't see it as a big enough problem. That's my thing. So what can a trucking company do, for instance, to uh, mitigate their losses or to make their cargo harder to be attacked or to be stolen? Well, it's funny because I think the um, I think the number one thing you could do, and I'll tell you a quick story. When I, when I was in leasing, uh, like I said, I dealt with some confidential sources and I had a source one time that was entrenched in cargo theft and I asked a specific question. I said, if I was to deputize you, how would you end cargo theft? <laughs> and, the, and the sources, the answer was GPS every trailer. All the bad guys know only the tractors are GPS, not the trailers. And I thought about that for a second. I said, that's 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 the mindset of the criminal, that's the criminal element thinking that. And I'll be honest with you, Chris, that is, if we want to put the biggest dent into cargo theft, that is the quickest solution is GPS the trailers. And I, I understand why they're not, and you, you know from coming from the insurance world, uh, for every tractor, you probably have two to three, if not four trailers. So it becomes a cost factor. Where I think, um, you know, I, I think this is where the insurance comes in. Insurance insurance companies can play a big part in this. There has to be some incentives uh, on the insurance side of the house that um, motivates trucking companies um, to start GPSing their trailers and whether that be some type of reduction in premiums. Um, but I, I, th I think by putting in tracking systems in, in the trailer, and the reason I say that is, I here's, here's kind of how a typical cargo theft happens. So say between Friday night and Monday morning, um, you know, a lot of times the, uh, these groups will be working on either um, intelligence that's gathered. So they, they're specifically targeting a certain trailer, or maybe they, they target a random truck yard that's, uh, that's in an industrial area. Uh, a lot of times they'll steal a tractor, bring their own tractor, and, uh, and, and steal a trailer. So if that trailer is not GPS and that trailer leaves the yard, um, there's a very short window of opportunity to recover that. And, and even if it was GPS, there's still a short window of opportunity to get that information to the police and have the police act in real time. And unfortunately, the majority of cargo thefts happen Friday night to Monday morning, and that corresponds when the police are the busiest on the weekends with other priority calls, right? So I would say GPSing the trailers is, is best. And then secondly, having some type of mechanism that allows you to get that information to the police in real time and allow the police to live track in real time. And I think um, if you if you talk to the insurance industry, their biggest pain point, number one, is, is the, um, the loss ratios and the, and the, and the 
and the, the small number of trailers that are actually recovered in real time, right? So I, I think that's, I think trucking companies, that's probably something that they could look at. I think the other big thing is target hardening your yards, making sure you have proper preventative security measures at your yard, because that's the majority of where they're happening. To, and to your point, whether it's video cameras, proper lighting, proper seals and locks. So those are those are preventive measures that you can do. But GPS tracking, I think, is by far the best, best method. So that's interesting because, I mean, GPS tracking in, I don't know this as a fact, but I believe, it's my belief that it has re- been reduced in price. Re- like over the last several years, when GPS first came out, it was not inexpensive. And now... Um, it is inexpensive. I know one of my carriers that I'm working for, they they don't tell their drivers, but every trailer is uh, GPS tracked. Every one. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And, it, and it's funny because I think over the years, the biggest problem, especially in the, in the climate we're in, in the greater Toronto area, is we get very harsh winters. And when it comes to GPS tracking, battery is everything. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and and I think technology has advanced so much with GPS that, you know, you know, devices now can be they can be hardwired, they can be wireless, they can be embedded in, in the trailer and concealed. So I, I think technology is advancing, making it easier for for these uh, devices to be used. Yeah, and as you say, it's probably the easiest way now. Uh, you mentioned about getting real-time information to the police. So if I was to outfit my trailer fleet uh, with GPS, how do I work it so that I can um, get that info to the police? Is there a mechanism now? Well, that's a funny question, Chris. So when I came over to ISB and I, I built our, uh, our PULTS, our loss prevention supply chain security program, um, one of the things... So it, it was designed for two, uh, three reasons, actually, to kind of assist insurance companies with reduce their cargo losses and claims and loss ratio, kind of assist the police with, uh, or assist insurance co- or transportation companies with kind of a best-in-class security program. And the third was to provide police with the necessary tools that they need to do their job better and recover more loads. So right now, how it kind of ha- works is, um, if, if there's a breach of the geofence, you know, every geo, you know, there'll be a trucking company. Usually the fleet manager will get an alert. He'll get that alert. It'd be two o'clock on a Saturday morning. I pick it up. I, I see where the alert is. Say it's my trailers going down the 401 between Milton and uh, I don't know, Guelph. Now I have to call and I have to figure out, okay, is this OPP? Would this be Alton? Would this be Guelph? Is this Hamilton? And I gotta, I gotta make those phone calls. So when we built our program, what we looked, and we, we had the, the luxury of having sister companies that are into crisis risk management. So we have two command centers, global command centers. So we were able to do this. But what we did is we built a platform that allows us to integrate into any GPS system. And we take that information and through our command center, we go through a notification validation process uh, number one, we want to make sure it's, it's not user error and it's a valid alert. And if it's a valid alert, we have a database of 37,000 law enforcement 911 call centers. And we, our operators, make a call to the police agency of jurisdiction. And then what we do is we send um, all the asset details as well as a live tracking link 
to the police that is allowed them allows them to forward that to the uniform cars and, and live track the load the time. So it, it it was something that was completely missing from the market. And I think it's um, what I said, it, it, there's such a small window of opportunity for load recovery and giving those that live tracking ability to the police. So now when that load goes into a warehouse and it's unloaded, um, the police can track that history. And you know, it's all about telling the story to a judge so you can get a search warrant so you can get that load back, right? Just like when you in your claims days. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, and it's funny, I, I don't know if you saw the news, I believe it was just last night, um, we recovered, I say we, the police recovered a load of PPE uh, last oh. night. Um, yeah, yeah, can you handle something with everything that's going on right now? And uh, yeah, you know, personal protection equipment is uh, is really high value, high risk because there's such a demand for it. Yeah. Well, it, it's funny. There's almost it, it, people always ask me what hey, what, you know, what what gets stolen, and I said obviously, you know, any, there's a there's a market for anything on the black market. You know, willful blindness. If if you know somebody says, hey, you will quote, it fell off the truck. If I don't ask, I don't know. Right. And everybody's looking for a deal. But if you look at, you know, you have your high risk commodities, like you mentioned, like PPE and you know, you know, other items like that. But, you know, food and drink, you know, it, they're hard to trace. They don't have a serial number. And if yeah, I run a restaurant, if I run a grocery store, you know what I mean? It's it's just I can flip them up. Small devices, you know, small items like Gillette sensor razors or batteries. Those those can be sold in any mom pod grocery store or convenience store, right? And uh, so and construction materials, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's with all the construction going on, everybody's looking for you know wood supplies, washer and dryer. So yeah. there's a market for anything. Well, and right now, just you you probably don't know, but my uh, girlfriend is a dental hygienist, and so she owns her own practice, and we've seen. Um, N95 masks are she can't buy them uh, they're $20 a piece at the moment for an N95 mask uh, and they used to be I, I think she told me two or three dollars uh, before this uh, situation happened and now they're at 20 because you can't get enough of them and everybody's required she's required to use five of them a day uh, you know wow. uh, so yeah, yeah that would be a, a, a commodity right now that uh, could be sold quite easily, and, yeah. you know. So I mean, companies like hers, it's hard to recover those costs uh, because it's uh, you know your personal insurance company is paying it mostly, and so um, it's hard to bill extra because there's contracts involved and, and all kinds of stuff. So, anyways, PPE is pretty cool. Um, so we talked about. Well, you mentioned what they steal. You mentioned how we can harden the yards and, and help prevent. Tell us a little bit more about the Pulse product, and then I think we'll wrap up because I don't want to keep you here all day, although I could. It's been a great conversation. <laughs> That's crazy. I can talk about cargo theft. Yeah. Interesting topic. But no, it's so, yeah, with, with, so with Pulse, and as I mentioned, so Pulse is kind of our unique program. Um, it's uh, our cargo loss prevention supply chain security program. So, and how that came about, Chris, is um, ISB Global is one of four sister companies or where we're, we're under private ownership by the Dalton Group of Companies. And, and most of our sister companies are involved in crisis risk management, crisis response, uh, 
duty of care travel. Uh, that's why we have these two uh, crisis response centers. And uh, ISB, we're kind of in the insurance space, we're kind of in the trucking space. So probably about three years ago, um, most of the major insurance companies are our clients and, and our CEO got some feedback saying, look, uh, the loss ratios for, for cargo are, are extremely high. Um, you know, some insurance companies actually even got out of that whole kind of commercial transportation space because of the losses. And uh, they said, is there anything you guys can put together that could help benefit some type of program? So I came over kind of developed the program and was kind of focused on preventive measures. So basically what Pulse is, it's um, we're kind of an end-to-end solution, um, one-stop shopping. Uh, we have a number of different preventative cargo security, uh, preventative uh, products and services that we can offer, you know, site assessments and, and background checks and, and anything cargo related, uh, interactive remote video monitoring stuff. Kind of our meat and potatoes is our ability to escalate. So what we can do is we can, client has GPS, we can integrate and we can provide that escalation service to the police. Um, we also offer uh, Pulse GPS kits. So a client comes, we have GPS um, packages for all modes of transportation. So driver protection, embedded cargo, uh, intermodal seat containers, air shipments, all with our Pulse escalation. So we, um, we're we kind of focused on the Canada and the US. We have escalation abilities in Mexico and in Europe as well. But um, yeah, it's, it's kind of that end-to-end solution that we've kind of put together, which is kind of unique. Uh, um, there's some, some companies out there that offer bits and pieces, but we fortunately have the ability to kind of offer that end-to-end solution. So the, the client that uses that product are the insurance companies. Can um, trucking companies use pieces of that? Yeah, actually, so it could be... Uh, it, it, it can be used by uh, trucking companies, manufacturing companies, um, insurance companies. Um, we can build packages for the insurance companies. So if the insurance company wanted to offer certain packages, whether hey, it's what GPS kits or lease escalation or facility security or driver qualification, um, they can offer those to their their companies, their, their insurance clients. Um, we, we, we have a lot of uh, manufacturing companies. If you think about manufacturing, PPE is, is an example. Uh, a lot of them are using third-party logistics, right? So they want visibility on their load. So when that load leaves, they use embedded cargo devices so they can have visibility. So it's funny, freight forwarding companies, manufacturing companies, but uh, yeah, definitely it was designed originally for, for the transportation trucking companies. Help with risk mitigation. <laughs> well, that's cool. I mean, because um, I'm not really familiar with Pulse as a product. I am familiar with me, M-E-E, making eligibility yep. easy. Um, yep. I think that's the correct name. Uh, but that's, so is, is that part of Pulse as well? Is that one of the services? Yeah, so what we've taken, um, we, we have that service offering. So with me, so basically ISB is broken into kind of uh, Three components. We have we have our insurance division. Um, we have me making eligibility easy, which is a, a driver qualification and onboarding drivers with uh, abstracts and uh, CVORs and, and, and uh, criminal checks. Um, we have employee background screening, which is a, a big division of ours, which we 
do all the employee background and criminal checks for rideshare companies and contractors. And then we have Pulse with just the cargo, cargo oh. component. Um, but me and Pulse are very, uh, they're integrated. So we offer, as part of Pulse, we offer some services. That's cool. I'd say I didn't know ISB had so many different uh, offerings. Never mind that they're part of a much larger uh, conglomerate. I knew that you were one division, but not quite so large. Yeah, we're our, our, our companies. Uh, we have four companies. We're in Canada, U.S., Mexico, Brazil, and South Africa. South Africa, that'd be cool. I want to go there one day. <laughs> Keep telling South Africa. <laughs> I guess I got to speak to... Uh, um, the president of ISB and see if he can hire me and send me down to South Africa because I don't think yeah. I'll be able to uh, afford to go on a vacation there. <laughs> but anything else? Is there anything else that we need to talk about uh, before we wrap this up? No, you know something, Chris? That was, uh, it was a great discussion. And like I said, uh, I, I think at the end of the day, I, it's you come from the insurance world, so you know... Oh, Kind of the ripple effect of you know, how, how how deep the problem is for a cargo theft. I come from the police world, so I saw it firsthand. I, I just I think we just have to somehow bring awareness to the problem, and then kind of work together. And uh, like I said, we um, whether it's working in partnership with insurance companies in, in our program, like, and I, I I think in the U.S. they've done a you know, a great job. There, there's other programs like CargoNet out there that work hand in hand police and insurance companies. And I think if we can replicate that similar type of process in Canada, I think we can start reducing these numbers. Yeah. And as you say, it's a lot of it is um, awareness by the public. It's awareness by the politicians. Um, you know, kudos to OTA and CTA. They've tried to raise the, um, the awareness. I, I would say unsuccessfully, and the only reason I say that, it wasn't for a lack of trying, um, we don't see any results. Uh, so, yeah. anyways, uh, it is great. So, if the carriers who are listening can harden their yards, lock the damn trailers. You mentioned that thefts take place mostly on the weekends, uh, Friday to Monday, you said, when the police are the busiest uh, doing other stuff. Um, yeah. You know, and then one thing you didn't mention, well, not directly at least, background checks of your employees, whether they are working in the warehouse or as a truck driver or as a dispatcher. Um, and and, and that, that's an absolutely great point. I'm glad you brought that up, Chris. If, if you look, it was funny. We did a survey of, uh, about six, seven months ago, and, and it was funny. Most trucking companies, um, but uh, I think it was 100% were actually screening their drivers with criminal checks. But if you if you look at cargo theft, anybody who touches that product along the supply chain security or supply chain should be checked. If you look in warehouses and distribution centers, it was funny. I was at the Texas Cargo Summit uh, a couple of years ago, and one of the um, speakers there was talking about the uh, corruption within the warehouse. And the majority of it was at the supervisory level, where they had their own little crews, they had access to the manifest, the bill of ladings, and it was pilferaging. So they were taking half a skid here, half a skid there. And I think it's very important not just to yeah, focus on the driver, but anybody who's in that warehouse and is touching product, you need to know who's coming in your door and vet those people, and you have to do it on an annual basis. So that's, that's a great point. 
Sorry, you have to do it how often? I, I would say at least annually, once a year. You know what I mean? Depending on your turnover rate, if you have a high turnover rate, probably twice a year at least, right? So. Yeah, and that's something many companies I don't believe do. Uh, they might do a criminal record background check when they first hire the person, um, but I don't know of many that revisit that issue. Yeah, and, and the reason I say that too, Chris, is um, in the world of policing, we used to go out and we used to recruit people that we thought could be valuable to a police investigation. Organized crime does the exact same thing. They, they recruit people in trucking companies, whether it be dispatchers, supervisors, people that have access to information, right? And, you know, unfortunately, some people can fall on the wrong side of the, the coin. And maybe I'm, a, I'm, I'm into gambling and I have a gambling debt. Part of my debt, I have to pay this off and provide information, or maybe I have a substance abuse issue. And uh, so I, I think it's important to make sure, know who's working in your facility, and uh, one, another thing we have too as part of our Pulse program is we have uh, a cargo theft tip line and that was designed almost like a Crime Stoppers tip line. And I'm thinking if you had a loss within your organization and you put it out, 99% of your, your employees are good people. But having the ability and having your employees having a vehicle that they can anonymously report information, I think you're going to get decent information back, right? And uh, you know, we all know we've all worked with people that might be shady and you know they're shady so i think if you give them that vehicle that, that the ability to report that information that can help too so that that was another thing we as well as kind of that uh that ability to internal hotline so i didn't didn't even know about that so um well is is that available for all trucking companies to use so as part of our pulse escalation, what you get, uh, we get the 24-hour, 24-7 um, monitoring of the cargo alerts, the escalation to the police. Uh, you all, we also get a 24-7 cargo theft tip line uh, that's manned by our monitoring center. And you also get, uh, all their drivers get uh, online truck hijacking, all, all part of the pulse escalation package. That's cool. Well, like I thought, I think that's a great way to end it. Um, thanks so much for being on the Dog On It Trucking Podcast. I appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Chris. Uh, thanks for having me and stay safe. I hope you loved the show as much as I did. Please leave us a like, a thumbs up, a review, a comment, a rating if it is in your heart. Thank you so much. And I do really appreciate your time. And join us again next week for another exciting interview.